one of you. It is good to be together as God's family. And uh, we're just so excited to celebrate Palm Sunday. It is, to me, that Sunday that really does usher in spring, even if we're getting a little bit of snow. You know, that's okay. That snow is beautiful upon the daffodils, right? So we just love life. We love the Lord. He is good, and He fills us with His presence. So come what may, let us have a smile of gratitude in our, on our face for all things. So Justin, I'm just going to tell you real quick, publicly, that yesterday I had the best meal that I've ever eaten in my life, but I can't remember what it was. I'm teasing you, Justin. That does happen. You get all these things on your mind. Justin does a great job. He's got a lot of multitasking going, so let's give him... But it's fun to poke fun at each other because we are brothers and sisters and uh, we can't take ourselves too seriously, but we can take the Lord very seriously. And that's what we're here to do today. I want to try to speak about the triumphal entry in a way that I've not before and I hope that you get more out of it than just the words Hosanna in the highest or the idea of the waving of palm branches or the casting of uh, coats or cloaks upon the donkey that Jesus would ride. I hope that I can show you uh, four things in this text that for the believer touches us very deeply. And I think they are absolutely stunning truths that come out of Matthew 21. It's just unbelievable how God works through Christ to reveal His truth to all mankind with the hope, with the hope and the potential that all could be saved. If you are here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I pray that God touches your heart and that you find yourself in a place willing to surrender and accept the amnesty for your sin, to turn away from your rebellion and come to the Lord with shouts of Hosanna, with, at least in your heart, waving the branches and casting down whatever you have to acknowledge who He is in your life. So I want to begin by just reading the text, and I want you to really listen, and then I'll show a few slides to highlight some important things from the text. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey there, with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, 
the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money chain and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind came, and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna, son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city of Bethany where he spent the night. Beautiful passage of Scripture. And in those 17 verses, there are four movements to show one truth. Four movements to show one truth. Today, in part seven of the sermon series, Simply Thankful, we will be simply thankful for Jesus, our King. And I begin it by showing you this verse that Paul wrote, which reminds us of the purpose of Christ's coming. Paul writes, as God's co-workers... We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Beautiful passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul writes as God moves on His Spirit through God's Spirit to proclaim to all mankind that the King that was to come has indeed came. He has arrived and He has ushered in a season of grace, a time for people to be saved, a time to be redeemed. It is a window of opportunity. It is a brief window of opportunity. It's not a window that will stay open forever. Although it has been 2,000. 
thousand years since Jesus opened this window of grace, that window will close at his return, his second coming, and then everything from that point is finalized. And that's why it is so important to see Jesus and what he accomplished for all mankind for you. If you have not been humbled, moved by God's Spirit that draws you through the power of the crucifixion and what Jesus did for you, I pray that you will. And if you have, I pray that you will look at that grace and not take it in vain or emptiness, but understand just how much He has done for you, how much He has loved you. The window of His grace, the season of salvation, will come to an end. And may you not meet the King that returns without standing cleansed by His blood. That's how serious this is. Throughout the text of Matthew 21, there are these four movements, and they're not accidental. They're intentional on Jesus' part, purposeful to show that He is the King. In Matthew 21, we're going to look at the first five verses, but I wanted to show these to show you the intentionality of what Jesus is doing here in this setting as he is on the Mount of Olives making his way to Jerusalem in the last few days of his life before he's actually crucified as he approaches Jerusalem, the city of David, the city of God, and he comes to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and you will find this colt. Untie that colt and bring it to me. And then if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Now you can see in the wording of these verses that Jesus takes the initiative with the two disciples and says, go do this. And the reason that Jesus does that is because in verse 4, this is taking place to fulfill one of the great prophets and what they had spoken. This isn't accidental. Jesus is fulfilling a great Prophecy, And here is the prophecy, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus ushers in by sending the disciples the fulfillment of this prophecy that comes out of Zechariah that we're going to look at. But we can see that he comes riding on what many commentators will say a beast of burden, an animal that was viewed at that time as 
a peaceful animal that someone would ride as they would come in peace, not a warring horse for battle. So Jesus is pictured here as a king, a king that was to come. We see the attitude that he comes. He's gentle, he's humble, and he fulfills the prophecy. Jesus announces, declares his kingship in this picture of what is taking place right here. And he knows it. And if you look at Zechariah 9, you'll see, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, or Israel. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, the inhabitants there in the city. See, your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And when you see this, you think, okay, here comes the king of the Jews for the Jewish people. And that is a wonderful and exciting thing. But Jesus knows more of what Zechariah prophesied. And I just want us to look at verse 10. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. He's going to be this king in this season of grace of peace. And the battle bowl will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. Not just Israel. Not just the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This king is king of all things and of all people. And his proclamation and his life and his coming will be for all people. It is for all nations. And Zechariah even emphasizes that idea more when he says, His rule will extend from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus proclaims His kingship to the people of Israel, and to you and I, the Gentiles. He is king. That is this first movement And then comes number two. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove all who were buying and selling there. He turned over the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling the doves. Why? It is written. There it is again. Another prophecy. We'll look at that prophecy here in just a moment. My house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. Picture Jesus riding on the donkey, palm branches waving, everyone exclaiming, Hosanna, which is a word that means, oh, save. It is a word of adoration, a word of celebration, a word that uh, is of rejoicing. Smiles on people's faces. But now, this Jesus is in the temple. And it's His house. Notice the words, my house. You have polluted my house with your making money. You see, God 
Jesus doesn't care about the money. Whether they make money or they go bankrupt, that's all up to the Lord and we praise Him either way. But here in context, for the story, it is you've taken something that was pure and holy and purposed in God's sovereign will and you have changed it and made it something dark and dirty and polluted and worldly. And Jesus is upset and he is angry and he throws over the tables puts together a whip and drives these money changers out of the temple. When's the last time you thought of Jesus Christ in those terms? Jesus is gentle and Jesus is humble. But make no mistake, He is passionate. He is passionate For his father and his father's house. He is zealous for his God. And this is the king. It is my house. And I won't stand for it. Do you think that in these few hours that Jesus was bringing attention to himself? He's riding on a donkey. The crowds are overwhelming. And dispersed within those crowds are the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are indignant about all that's going on, but they can't control it. Because the group has gone ecstatic. The group is stirred. Jerusalem is now stirred because of what Jesus is doing. Remember when Jesus would heal people? Go show yourself to the priest. Tell no one. Jesus was keeping quiet. It wasn't his hour. It wasn't his time. Because when Jesus came out and declared, I am the king, it would bring to him the end of his life. Jesus declared that he was king. Remember before Pontius Pilate, whose wife said, Stay away from Jesus. Don't do him any wrong. He's an innocent man. I've had a vision. I've been so troubled. But the religious community wants Jesus dead. They want him crucified. But Pilate can find no reason that Jesus is innocent. And then Pilate goes back to Jesus and says, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, is that what someone told you? Are they talking about me? Yes, they were. And Jesus said, what you have said is right. But my kingship is not of this world. Do you know that Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, talks about Jesus making the good confession before Pilate. The good confession before Pilate where he claims his kingship. Jesus was 
the prophesied king. He comes purposefully fulfilling those prophecies. The magi early on at the birth of Jesus come looking for the one that was born king of the Jews. Jesus was king during his life. He said so to Pilate. And at Jesus' death on the cross, Pilate had the written inscription above the cross, King of the Jews. Jesus was, is, and will always be king. So here's part three. And it's subtle, but it's there. Because throughout Scripture... The king, Messiah, that would come would bring healing to those that were hurt. Here we see Jesus in the temple after turning over the tables and driving out the money changers. And it says, and foreigners, not Jews, but foreigners, who bind themselves to the Lord to minister him, Love the name of the Lord and to be servants all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. That is the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah. Watch verse 7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I got a little ahead of myself, but here is the fulfillment of that prophecy that it's written. Right here, we see Isaiah the prophet. My house will be called a house of prayer. And it's for foreigners. It's for all people. It is absolutely a declaration of his kingdom. Now watch verse 8. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel will gather still others to them, Besides those already gathered. And that completes that second movement that Jesus declares himself as king. And then we come to part three. Jesus is in the temple. And he says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The lame and the blind came to him in that temple. And he healed them. I want you to think about that. Because here is the king that can heal. You think in our world that we live in, all the great presidents, all the great powers, all the great authority, and what can they really do for you? Maybe give you a safe place to live? Let you die in peace? That's really, you know, it's, it's great on the worldly side of things, but is that it? Whenever we look at Jesus as king, what we have here is there is something different about this king of kings, this Messiah king that was prophesied. This king, as people were coming to him in the temple, he healed them. He was able to do things for people that no one else could do. He could raise the dead. He did that for Lazarus. He could heal the blind, those with leprosy. And it goes on and on what Jesus did. This is the kind of king that you and I look to. This is 
Jesus our King. But when, he, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. You know, Jesus lived in a world that it didn't matter, even the religious community that said they were waiting for the Messiah, that they were loving and honoring God, missed it. They missed the window of opportunity to exclaim Jesus as their king. They, they missed it. And how sad for anyone to miss it. And then movement for Hosanna, son of David, the children were exclaiming, this is the king. So we see these four movements in Jesus as king, a peaceful king, a king that is offering salvation, that is offering forgiveness, that gives all man opportunity to be saved. Remember what John said? John was like in prison. And he heard what was going on. And he sent two messengers to Jesus. And they say, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And this is what Jesus says to John's disciples. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. We see King, 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 King in 17 verses of the triumphal entry. My question, have you taken advantage of the season of God's grace? Are you His? Have you confessed His name to be your Lord and Savior? Because those of us who have, we know how blessed we are and in our hearts to know that come what may in this world, I'm His. He's my King. And like those that have gone on before us that did the same, I will love Him. I will bind myself to Him. As King, I will follow Him. As King, I will obey Him. As King, I will serve Him. As King, I will love Him. As King, I will sing to Him. As King, I will sacrifice and surrender all of my life to Him. He is King. And today, and many other days, I am simply thankful for Jesus, our King. I'm simply thankful for how God worked in His life. I'm simply thankful for the way Scripture just exclaims Jesus 
is king. A king of peace, a king of salvation, the window of opportunity is there for all. John's heart is calmed by the response of Jesus. Now we go back and we listen to the religious group. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. And in Greek, the word for yes is nigh. And there's like a punctuated pause just in that Greek. Yes, pause. Then he says, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Another prophecy coming from Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You, Lord, have ordained the praise of infants and children for your good purpose. Go home today and read Psalm 8. Another fulfillment of prophecy. Another Jesus declaring himself as king. It's beautiful. It's stunning. And then lastly, this king of peace will come again at his second coming, his return. But he comes in a different way, a different posture. And for those that are saved, those that have like taken their stand and they have accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life, have confessed His name publicly, have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, having their sin washed away, who are doing the best they can through the Holy Spirit that now lives in them to be faithful each and every day. The posture of that coming king is a good thing. But for those that have not done that, it's not a good thing. And that's why I said, I wouldn't want you to meet the coming king if you don't know him through your redemption by his blood. Look at this king. Look at the posture. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse. Not a donkey. A white horse. An animal of war. Whose rider is called faithful and true. That's Jesus Christ. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Picture that scene of the coming of the Lord, those blazing, fiery eyes, 
riding on that white horse. And then the host of all of the angels of God, his army coming behind him, dressed in white, brilliant as the sun, just like on the Mount of Transfiguration. But he's coming to wage war. Not peace any longer. That window closed at his coming. And that's why it's so important for you to take these things into consideration. And I pray that you would seek God. Verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. We hear that double-edged sword. We hear the word of God in those types of words, which is to strike down the nation. He will judge the nations by his word and what he proclaimed and what God spoke through his prophets. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That is the king that is coming. That is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That is King Jesus upon his return. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. So today, as we think about the word Hosanna to the son of David, as we think about just the joyous celebration of the cutting of branches and the throwing of cloaks and all the stirring of the people, let us not miss that he is your king if you have been redeemed by his blood. The blood that he will go to the cross to provide the atonement of sin for the world. We see it at the beginning of his life. We see it prophesied before he ever lived, right? We see it at his birth. We see it during his life. We see that he's king at his death by the inscription. We see him as king when he returns. Jesus is king of kings. Church. I know most of you, and I know as much as I can know about your heart that you love the Lord and you've bound yourself to Him. And if you've not bound yourself to Him, I pray before you walk out of these doors into that beautiful snowfall that I can see, it's coming down heavy, white as snow, I pray before you walk out those doors, whether it's during the invitation, come up, fall on your knees before the Lord, worship Him, ask Him into your life, talk to us so that we can tell you what the Lord would have you do. The Lord would have you confess His name. The Lord would have you proclaim it to all. He would have you confess your sins. He would have you turn away from your life that you are living without Him. And yes, He would have you be baptized, being cleansed, and then giving you the Holy Spirit, filling you with His presence. And He would have you live your life before His throne. Because if He's king of your life, you obey Him, you follow Him, you love Him, you serve Him, you worship Him, you proclaim Him. And I pray this Palm Sunday for those that have done so that we will 
grip on more tightly to our King. And for others, that you'll step up in confessing this King of your life. Would you pray me? Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus, our King of kings. We thank you, Lord, for his mindful, intentional, and purposeful way of letting us know who he is. Because, Father, we know that in doing this to this degree and causing so much stir in the community and indignation by the religious leaders, that this would bring about the end of his life. But, Father, we know. We know, Lord, that no one took his life from him because he could have called a thousand angels to destroy this world and he could be set free, but he humbly said, not my will, but yours be done. And so he, he gave of himself and he died and separated himself from you for the first time in his existence to save his people. Let us not take it for granted. Oh God, let your window stay open. Let your patience continue to abound as more hearts come to you. Let us stand together and let us worship the King. Let us sing to Him as He is King of your life. Let us praise the name of God.